Hello and welcome to ECE Tech Talks. I'm Barry Sullivan, ACETA Program Development Director, and with me is John Janowick, ACETA Executive Director. Hello, John. Uh, today we're very fortunate to be speaking with Marty Cooper, engineer, entrepreneur, wireless communications pioneer, and perhaps his most famous moniker, the father of the cell phone. Marty, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Barry. You know, John and I were talking uh, a little uh, bit ago about uh, about this conversation, and I said, you know, I really like to open up with, um, you know, take us back to the 1970s uh, when when there's this uh, whole idea of uh, a cell phone or, or, or a phone period that you could carry around. It's not uh, wired, tethered to the, uh, uh, you know, to uh, a, a single place. And uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about the the, the way, uh, say, the the world looks to 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 my kids. You know, they're mid to late twenties. They're out of college. They're you know establishing their lives. And I don't think they would know what a landline is if I said uh, uh, ask them. You know how how they use the telephone. In fact, they probably wouldn't even recognize the word telephone. Um, you know they. They live with their cell phones, there, uh, which are which are now much much more than uh, you know, just for uh, for talking. Um, so when when you were working on this idea back then, uh, and and as you saw it rolling out, what what was your vision? Did you actually uh, see all of this coming, or um, how does it, how does it uh, feel to you? Well, of course we saw it coming, Barry, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, it's interesting that uh, the thing that stimulated the actual invention of the cell phone was the fact that the bell system had come up with this concept called cellular. Uh, and you could tell they're terrible marketers, engineers are, including me, uh, because uh, nobody cares about what a cell is, but this is this personal communications. Uh, and the, the bell was started out with a concept of uh, the cellular is just an advancement of wireless, of wired communications. They were in the wired business. And they didn't think wireless was ever going to be, uh, become anything meaningful. Uh, I was in the two-way radio business at Motorola. And we had observed that uh, when you want to manage moving assets, you have to do it wirelessly. You can't have a, a wire tied up to them. We also noticed that people, people, ordinary people spend a few percent of their time in cars. So having cellular car phones was ridiculous. And we had already observed what happened when we made portable two-way radios and gave them to people. It revolutionized the way people were doing business. It was obvious to us that the solution for the future of personal communications that was handheld devices. And that is the, uh, the approach uh, that, uh, that we took. Uh, and obviously it was the right approach. And the Bell system predicted very accurately that the most powered telephones would exist in the world uh, was the order of a million. They had uh, McKinsey actually did a study on that. Uh, wow. and, and they were right. And that is the maximum number of car telephones that ever existed. But as you know, there are more 
handheld cell phone uh, cell phones in the world today than there are people. Uh, uh, there, uh, more than two thirds of the people on Earth uh, are you uh, using cell phones today, and that number is uh, increasing. Uh, the impact of the cell phone uh, has been uh, enormous. So the idea of of a cell phone being a car telephone was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, when you talk about impact, you know, I'm just thinking about the past year. And uh, um, I mean, John, you know that I, I, I still work with uh, students quite a bit. Uh, right. And, and uh, um, you know, in the time of pandemic, trying to keep up with uh, schooling and you know, we, we think of, uh, you know, being on Zoom calls all day. I know a lot of these kids, they're doing it on their cell phone. And it's just, uh, it, it really, it still blows me away, you know, to try to take myself back to the the time before tells cell phones or, or when they were just emerging. And to think of, you know, how far we've come and how, you've already said, you know, how ubiquitous they are, but how uh, central to so many things that we do uh, that they've become. Well, you just uh, hit one of my hot buttons, Barry. Uh, when it comes to education, it's my belief that our educational system, at least the historical one, is pretty much broken. Uh, people uh, realize today that the idea that you, you can educate people by uh, giving a lecture to somebody for, for an hour on a specific subject uh, is uh, very little to do with education, and yet that's been the foundation of our whole system. It was a system that was invented by uh, the uh, the head of Austria some years ago, 200 years ago specifically. His objective was to build armies. And, and uh, the whole objective of education was uh, uh, discipline and uh, getting to people to follow all the rules and we all know that the way you got educated, the way you, Barry, got educated, and you, John, is you got out into the real world and solved right. problems. Yes. That's, that's how we got educated. So uh, uh, the, the consequence of, of those statements is that it is not possible to get an optimal education today without personal broadband access. Not possible. And, and the, the difference between somebody that has that kind of education and somebody that doesn't uh, is, and this is going to sound ridiculous too, but it's true, that the people that have been challenged from their youngest age by having uh, the, all the knowledge of the world available to them are going to have bigger brains. More connections to their brains are going to be smarter. Our kids the ones that have broadband access, that have a modern education, are absolutely going to be smarter than we are. And, and think about that, that half the population, half the students in our country do not have access to broadband, wireless. It's unacceptable. So somehow, uh, I believe that that's one of our major problems. You talked about what our vision was uh, 50 years ago, very, and we knew that someday everybody was going to have a cell phone. And our story was, I, I, John's heard me say this other times, but he, he 
hears me repeat everything over and over again. So, uh, but but the story we told is that someday when you were born, you would be assigned a phone number, and if you didn't answer the phone, you would die. So we just knew that everybody was going uh, to have a cell phone. We could never have predicted you know, having a supercomputer in a, in a handheld device, having artificial intelligence uh, associated with every person. Uh, but the idea of somebody being connected, having access to everything in the world, uh, uh, we just knew that was going to happen. So, so, Marty, you just brought up a, a hot button for me. Um, you know, you, you mentioned artificial intelligence. What, what, where do you see AI? You know, I know obviously it's, it's impacting many, many um, industries and, and all, all the, you know, facets of our lives. But where, where do you see AI, you know, taking the, the mobile communications and, and uh, um, you know, the whole area of devices as well as the way that we live um, uh, and with, the, with our devices and the way we communicate? chapter of my book that talks about uh, uh, wireless 2.0. Right. Uh, and, and the fact is that we are already, your cell phone already has a certain amount of uh, artificial intelligence. In it. Not very much. I don't right. think that much of the modern cell phone uh, in the context of it being a universal device. Uh, I believe that every person on the planet in fact, every person that has ever lived different than every other person. That's just a, a, a basic of genetics. Uh, and to think that you could have a universal device that does all things for all people uh, is ludicrous. Uh, and so the, uh, the people that, are, uh, that produce these cell phones tell you as well, uh, we're going to adapt this phone to you. Uh, we will uh, have apps. You can customize the phone. Well, boy, do I believe in customization because that will create something that, that uh, uh, will adapt to your personality. The only trouble is the way we want to customize is we, with apps. And all you have to do is go out and select among two million apps, which are the ones that are suitable for you. Right, yeah. right. So uh, what, what is obvious, and, and I try to talk about that in our chapter, is we are going to have an artificial intelligence in the phone that's going to examine our behavior continuously and unload us of all the routine things. It's going to understand the way we, each of us, does things independently. Uh, if we need an application to do a specific thing, this artificial intelligence will find one. Uh, if that doesn't exist, the artificial intelligence will create one. Mm -hmm. But... But the future of, of all, not just cell phones, but all personal devices uh, is customization. It's right. understanding this thing about the difference between people. Which, which brings me in, you know, I, I do want to do, a, do a, a, a little plug for your book, which is called Cutting the Cord, The Cell Phone Has Transformed Humanity by Simon & Schuster. I, I, it's a great book, Marty. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I know that I know that you're also interested in privacy, and and um, you know when you talk about AI and you think about you know all the power of AI, uh, I mean, do you share the concern that you you know that you know many people do, 
in terms of losing control of privacy and being able to um, maintain that that you know uh, that control of your own data and that control of your own life. John, we have lost control of our privacy. Right. <laughs> Not a historical thing. It's gone. And 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 who is the culprit? We are the culprits, not the other guys. We are giving away all our personal information, valuable marketing uh, information. We're giving it away to people in exchange for services where they decide what they want. They decide what the value of our uh, information is. Uh, and uh, we think we're getting a bargain. We think we're getting something for nothing. Anybody right. that thinks they're getting something for nothing is deluding themselves, right? We, the three of us know that. Yes. <laughs> so how can you complain about privacy? Uh, I think the first uh, issue about privacy is people have to be educated to understand that their information does have value. Uh, and and uh, the second thing they got to understand, uh, which my father taught me, uh, it seems like a hundred years ago, uh, you don't get anything for nothing. So, so uh, uh, somehow we have to get control of our privacy. Uh, my wife has actually created a, an organization that uh, is based upon me to me, uh, which is examining this privacy issue, uh, is making people aware of the importance of everybody understanding and getting control of their privacy. Uh, and specifically, uh, she is creating an organization that will audit organizations uh, in the context of uh, whether they are respecting other people's privacy uh, and making it possible for, for people to control their own information. Yeah, I think I think that that whole concept of a good citizen, uh, you know, a good corporate citizen and, and respecting privacy is something that, you know, unfortunately in this country, it, it hasn't really um been talked about enough, and and uh, I know that there's other parts of the world that are further along, but uh, but I, I'm I'm glad that uh, that you know you, you and and Arlene are taking some of that on. It's it's very important. Today's podcast is sponsored by Conres. Conres, a woman-owned company, is a provider of electronic test and measurement equipment. As a corporate member of Aceta, their focus is selling, renting, and leasing a wide range of products including scopes, power supplies, spectrum analyzers, and DMMs, with industry leaders Tektronix, Keithley, Keysight, Rodian Schwartz, and Fluke, who can quickly respond to your test equipment needs with their multi-million dollar inventory center. Visit Conres at www.conrestestequipment.com. That's www.conrestestequipment.com. Dot com. You know, well, there's something else that you and I talked about, John, um, and uh, uh, the notion of uh, teams and how, you know, right. uh, how, how teams uh, work together and how they can produce things. Um, again, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of lessons about that emerging from this past year and what it takes, you know, what, what are really the essential elements to uh, make an effective team. Um, I think a lot of things have People have found ways to carry on even when they can't be physically together. Uh, but you know, again, Marty, going back to the the cell phone and then the invention of the cell phone, 
what was it like then? Um, and uh, I, I know that Motorola as, as a company was, uh, uh, even then was a, a global operation. Um, you know, what was your team like when you were well, doing the cell phone? Let me take that in a slightly different direction, Barry. Okay. Because, because the point you bring up is, is a crucial point, a very important. Uh, we know that collaboration uh, is fundamental to progress. Yep. You know, the, the problems are getting bigger and bigger. Single individuals can't do very much in today's society. Uh, it takes collaboration. And we think about the ancient times, ancient meaning uh, when I was a young engineer. Uh, think about how uh, uh, guys like uh, Einstein and Fermi and people that, that invented uh, relativity, uh, that did the basic work. You know how they communicate? They sent letters to each other. Right. You know, I remember letters. I used to write letters. <laughs> contrast that with having two, uh, an Einstein and a Fermi uh, on the, talking to each other. Every time they had an idea, they click a button and they send a, a message. They send a paragraph. They get a conversation going. You know, just think of... Uh, of the uh, the increase in progress, the increase in capability, so uh, collaboration is absolutely the most important thing, and it affects uh, everything that we do. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm convinced that the uh, that the cell phone is going to revolutionize education. Uh, I'm I am positive that the cell phone has already the pandemic has actually accelerated. All these things, but especially healthcare, uh, yeah. because uh, already in, in places like Africa and uh, Mexico, India, uh, there are villages that now ha have uh, access to doctors uh, in the big city uh, and are getting all kinds of treatment they could never have imagined before. So, healthcare is getting uh, uh, revolutionized. Uh, but the essence of the whole thing is, is connecting people. Uh, and uh, collaboration, as you point out, very is a very uh, uh, important part of it. Uh, uh, going to your the specific thing about Motorola, I spent a good part of my Motorola career flying around uh, uh, promoting a concept that, uh, that I worked out uh, uh, based on stimulation from people like Bob Galvin and Bill Weiss and, and uh, John Mitchell, all of them. John, I know, uh, uh, knew, uh, uh, called the technology roadmap. Uh, and the way we taught people is we actually flew around and visited with all these people. Uh, we could have been doing that much more effectively virtually. Uh, and I just uh, I, uh, interacted with a group of students uh, this morning. Uh, and I have to tell you, uh, in one sense, uh, there's nothing like having a person sitting right next to you. There, there are all kinds of signals. But the difference between having a classroom uh, of people that are off in the distance and be able to look at their faces, like I can see your face, Mary, and your face, John. And I had every one of these students in my eyeballs. Yeah. And uh, we were personally interacting far better uh, on Zoom than we would have uh, if we were uh, in a classroom. Yeah, that's great. 
So, so Marty, I, I had one last thing and, um, you know, thinking, thinking about, uh, you know, our, our role in, in education, you know, we, we, we touch so many engineering and new engineering, um, uh, professionals, you know, uh, we, we have through the seed organization, we have, you know, approximately 300 ECE departments that are members and lo- almost 250,000 students that, that are, that are served through the departments that, that are, are linked to our association. You know, what, what is, what, what is your advice for a new engineer today? A, a young engineer, um, you know, going through uh, going through college or or just recently completing college, and I and I, I hear your you know your your collaborative uh, tone, but uh, what 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 advice would you have? And Sage, you know, think would you like to leave with with them? Because I I think you know this this podcast hopefully will kind of go down into all those into all those in institutions and into those classrooms. Well, uh, nice of you to ask, uh, John. I, I do have some advice. Uh, it'll take uh, three or four hours for me to get a little bit across. Marty, I'm giving you the subject for your next book. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, if I had to pick a specific, uh, I, I one of uh, the maxims that we have, I have a page of my book called Marty's Maxims. And one of them is uh, the best way to get people to think out of the box is to not create the box in the first place. Uh, And somehow our society in education uh, has tried to create silos. When we go to school, we learn about arithmetic and geography and and, uh, history. Uh, and then we go to college and we have electrical engineers and mechanical engineers. And it turns out there's nothing in the world that gets any of those silos. Right. When, you, when you go out into the real world, you solve problems. Uh, and those problems take all the disciplines. And so uh, when I uh, talk to youngsters, youngsters meaning people your age and younger, <laughs> uh, I tell them, you want to get as general an education. Yes, we need specialists, uh, but uh, having a specialist uh, creates skills without an understanding of the broad world and the fact that the specialized, somebody has to integrate at some point. Somebody has to put all these specialties together and the specialties have to focus on real problems on human problems uh, and not on uh, 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 disciplines that somebody made up uh, in their mind, silos that, that have no uh, human uh, feelings. Well, uh, so I could bring up another one of Marty's maxim, which is uh, the technology is the application of science to create products and services that make people's lives better. And that's what it's all about. Right. Without the people part, it's all meaningless. It's all curiosity. That's fantastic. Barry, so, I'm going to turn it over to you. So yeah, since, no, I, uh, I, I was just going to say, my, Marty, that you know that's a great inspirational message for you know young engineers, uh, students of engineering, and even some, I'll say, more experienced engineers. 
<laughs> so it looks like uh, uh, the time that half hour went by so fast. Uh, obviously, I've, I've been talking too much. But let me tell you one of my other hot buttons that uh, uh, you can uh, uh, keep this in mind for some future thing, and that is uh, the uh, whole idea of 5G. Yes. Which uh, uh, I think is, is uh, uh, highly distorted uh, in the way people are paying attention to it. Because I just read an article today. Uh, you can tell I'm, I'm not just sitting around. Uh, it's been a very busy day. So, uh, uh, Ted Rappaport, you know Ted. Uh, yeah, sure. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. He wrote this article. He says, before we finish, 5G is going to cost, brace yourself. What, what's the number you, you might come up with? I don't know, two trillion, three trillion. Well, I should have known better than to uh, challenge you, John. You're too sorry. Smart. But, <laughs> It's going to cost, he says, almost a trillion dollars. Wow. Wow. So, That's incredible. And, and uh, when you get done with 5G, it turns out what you have done created is the Internet of Things. Yep. And, and my belief is that we have not nearly finished with the Internet of People. Uh, and I think that we can create, and I, uh, when I finish my paper, I'm going to send it to you, John. Although I, uh, it seems to me I've been wasting a lot of your time lately. But I believe that we need a wireless access, broadband access system just for education. Agreed. That we could build that independent of 5G, independent of the existing barriers, uh, and have uh, a uh, entrepreneurs and, and, uh, 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 business people providing that service uh, for five dollars a month, ten dollars max, uh, and and have it optimized for education. Yeah, for running factories, not for driving cars, and not for uh, what's the other stupidity that they? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, they're going to do a virtual operation. And right. You think I'm going to have my hip done? Over a wireless network, you're out of your skull. <laughs> so uh, so uh, I, I just thought I would uh, leave you with that. No, we we we're we're big fans of that of that, Marty. Because you're you're absolutely right, Marty. It's been it's been great talking to you, and 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 uh, really appreciate you taking the time to to share your perspectives with with our with our audience. It's always fun talking to you, John, and to you, Barry. So, uh, my pleasure. Anytime, snap your fingers and have your Great. Well, Marty, uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank everybody for joining us today for this uh, conversation uh, with uh, Marty Cooper. And uh, please join us next time for another great conversation with uh, thought leaders in ECE. <laughs>